What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I am your host, Blake Law. This is episode 49 of the podcast, and we are very happy you are able to join us today. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is what this show aims to do. We are interviewing an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. We're going to break down. We're going to talk about. We're going to do everything in between about the mistakes, how they plan to learn from them, how often have you played the game on bad dice. Brad Chester does it every day. He tells me about it. <laughs> so, just when you thought GW couldn't make a faction any more powerful, they go and do something like this and totally redeem themselves. We're talking about Tyranids today at BFF's teams. This is pre-book Nid, so buckle in as we discuss the faction as a thought. And then our guest will struggle before he gets to the glory of the new Codex. And part two is going to be all about that new Codex swagger. So make sure to tune in for that. This, do, in fact, is we, part one of the Do we really podcast. think that Crusher was was struggling? Was, that, was there ever a time? Brad, are you running my book right now? Oh my I gosh. Just, you said that it was struggling before the new book. I was like, I don't think anybody was like, man, I wish they would buff Crusher up. That's super weak. Hey, Brad, um, this is part one of the podcast. So <laughs> we're going to analyze the game in this part. We're going to talk about common secondaries. We're going to talk about common mistakes and target priority. Make sure to join us for part two, which is available at theartofwar40k.com. You lovely subscribers, check it out. Go indulge. Indulge me. Indulge Ever Brad. Indulge that elite player mindset. My co-host today was voted most likely suspect should I go missing. So please use this episode as audio evidence. He has won some stuff in 2022. So let's recap his entire life real fast. He won the Michigan GT. He's a nine-time member of Team USA. He's won Infinity Adepticons plus one. He has three top eight LVO finishes. He's the Armed Forces GT champion. He won ACO 2021. He's a runner for GW New Orleans last year. He is currently the Prime Minister of Canada because he won studs and snotlings. He was the begrudging winner of Adepticon teams in 2022. Mr. Bradchester. Boop, boop, boop. I am team, uh, team championship specialist now. I still, like, I still think that uh, Tom Hanks is going to play you in the in the straight to uh, the straight to Hallmark version of your life, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be it's going to be like me, and I'm going to be the Adam Brody or whatever is going to play me. I don't know. And then you're going to have uh, Tom Hanks. It's going to be our like uh, showdown in the Depticon teams. It's going to be a drama. It's going to be really serious. What do you think? I like it. It'll be right next to Philadelphia. It'll probably win an Oscar for sure. It will. It's going to win an Oscar. You're going to be like. You're gonna be t- you're you're gonna get up to the stage and accept it. I'm just gonna run full speed to slap you right in the face. It's gonna be it's gonna <laughs> knock you to the ground. You're gonna it's gonna be a whole controversy. Keep but, uh, my army out of your mouth. <laughs> keep my army straight out of your mouth, brother. Not happening today. Well, our guest once destroyed you at the age of eleven. He is the product of 40k, often the youngest player in the room. He has been a big name in the mid game for quite some while, often making podium at GT level events across the country. He is the host of Joel Hammer 40K, a charity event which raises money for a special needs school in his hometown, Mr. Josh Schultz. 
Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, you want to tell us, tell me a little bit about this Joel hammer, man. I've seen it around and uh, I've seen it kind of popping up on my feet a little bit. So what's going on mm, with it? Absolutely. Well, basically, the idea of the event came over uh, COVID summer. First summer, we were locked down and uh, I wanted to do something special. But the idea of the event roots from my older brother, Joel. He was two years older than me and had severe cerebral palsy. So he was confined to a wheelchair. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk, couldn't eat on his own. But one of the things, two of his favorite things in the world, one of which was his school, where just the, the teachers there and the kids there, like they have smiles that'll light up rooms. It's really just an amazing environment. And the, the teachers there are all like amazing, super willing to help. I wanted to find a way to like give back to them. So flash forward to Joel's second favorite thing ever was 40K. My dad's been playing for 26 years. I've been playing since I was eight. Joel played since he was like 10 or so. So we'd like, you know, we'd have a ball playing together all growing up, like, you know, we'd be like, hey, Joel, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Like, we'd move models for him. We'd get his little dice cup. He loved it. Nice. So 40K holds a very special place in my heart. And uh, so the Joel Hammer event basically is a, we it's an invitational RTT, basically, that, that dives into, like, the top level of the game. We pull names, like, we have Sean Naden come every year, Kirk Klaus, <clears throat> and a lot of, like, you know, a lot of, like, big name, big name people from the Northeast. And they come and... We raise money for Joel's school in his name, um, in his honor. And uh, I love some of the stuff you make fun time. Do. Go into yes. that. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't know any of this existed, by the way. And the first time I look at a stream, I see Kurt jumping into a pool to get something. <laughs> it's not allowed to move a model or something on the next turn. I'm like, what's going on here? We're like, raising so, my pool? <laughs> so we have, uh, yes, yeah, so we have a pool in our backyard. So, um, Every year we try to come up with like funny little stratagems that add to the game where um, where people donate on stream. They can say like, hey, give Tony Phillips two CP or something for like however much they donate. Now they can use those CPs on like game specific stratagems. So like one of them is exactly that. You can either double move a unit if you complete a relay race or you can't move a unit if you fail it. And then vice versa, like if somebody uses it on you, then um, the opposite would happen. And then we also have like, like the Oreo challenge is a classic one that we we would do. Sean, Sean Naden mastered that thing. Uh, you have to get a, an Oreo from your forehead to your mouth without touching it with your hands. We got all sorts of different challenges. Uh, I mean, if you donate money and request us to do something, we'll probably end up doing it. And it's just a really fun time. Um, lots of, lots of laughs, lots of Lots of smiles and a lot of positivity. Um, I think it's a it's a great thing for the community. And uh, man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds really good, man. That's, but I will say that you said they'll do anything for money around Brad Chester, and I think that's probably <laughs> the wrong the wrong mentality to give him. So uh, I feel like you guys are not really to understand my, <laughs> my levels of depravity. Anything? Oh, hey, man, it's for charity. It's for yeah. charity. You're also the newest member of going to Charity Hammer. Yes, sir. A month and a half, two months, something, some, some months we have to buy tickets to go to Seattle. It's, uh, I think it's the last weekend of June, last full weekend of June. Charity Hammer, also amazing cause. I'm super stoked. I've been listening to Biff Pod since its beginning. I've been watching Charity Hammer, um, and I, I'm super excited to to have that invite to go play because um, everybody, everybody there is a class act. They're super cool guys. It's just, it's going to be a super fun time. Those guys are raising money. Um, I actually based Joel Hammer off of Charity Hammer, funnily enough. Like Colin Sherman did amazing work with that, and I based it. I based it off of that. So Colin this summer and the Biff Pod crew um, will be raising money for um, a children's hospital. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Another amazing cause. Like if any anything that we can do to like help like liven the spirits of of these kids. Like I know my older brother Joel was one of them. 
that he was left in the hospital, like a lot of times on holidays and stuff like that. So anything we can do to help him, like buy Christmas gifts, buy him like, you know, any, any extra supplies they need or whatever. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Nice. So you guys both went to BFS, uh, this last weekend. Tell me a little bit about the event. Talk about it. It was a team event, right? And you guys, in, I think the game we're talking about is actually you two playing each other, which is pretty freaking Exactly. Cool. Yep. Yeah. I, it was funny. This is when we got done the later that night. And all I got from Josh was, if this isn't unbroken, our game wasn't unbroken worthy. What, what, what is? <laughs> I immediately messaged him. That's a real thing, by the way. You messaged me. I immediately went blank. I've got our guest. <laughs> and then we had a group. A group messenger, and that that's where we went. So this is my first BFS. I was super excited about it, by the way. I was I was super pumped. Uh, this event is usually all held on my wife's birthday, so I haven't been able to go uh, because she threatens everybody's lives if they put me on a team and show up on her birthday. So that was this is the first time I was able to go, and I was super psyched up uh, and drug me in, and it was amazing. And we got to play a bunch of really good teams and have a great time. It was really well run too. I was. It's also in the biggest mall I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah, Center is really cool. <clears throat> So it's in, uh, I think it's, is it Nyack, New Jersey, or Nyack, New Jersey, Nyack, New York, something like that. I forget where exactly, what town it is, but um, it's in the Palisades Center, which is like one of the biggest malls in America. Um, and they have um, an awesome like venue. Like you have like a food court of like anything imaginable just right there for like lunch and stuff. There's tons of restaurants. Um, and just the the guys of the BFS crew do an awesome job to um, to like do, the, um, run the event. I think shout out, shout out to those guys like Ed and Bobby. They're, they did an awesome event. It was, it was really fun. Everything was really well. Like, it's one of the small things, but I think it goes a long <laughs> way towards uh, people that are participating in an event. Is things were on time. Uh, if you ask questions, they were super fast to get back to you about, you know, how they were ruling things and stuff like that. So I love those kind of things and just being on top of things because it makes you as a player just have a better time when you're mm-hmm. not confused about anything or you're late and every and all that. What is the what kind of terrain were y'all looking at with this kind of with this event? Was it player placed or was it um, no. preset? No, or? they're a beacon of preset uh, preset terrain. They're very pro preset terrain, especially in a team format where they can set it up to where like one table like can be way heavier and one table can be way lighter, and you get to pick those like strategically with your team depending on what lists are playing there. That was huge on that. They had uh, a table that legitimately had nothing besides some dense terrain in the middle. Like the entire middle was open. Then they had like two heavy trains and two middles, but they actually had it set for every mission. So they didn't change them per the mission. So we actually, as a team, did a, a last minute switch because we were going to bring um, a Dark Elder army and we were too worried that uh, we'd be fighting over who gets terrain. Mm-hmm. So it, the team concept comes into play a lot in that. Because you can obviously and try to pick a table, uh, but then you have lists that you might not be able to bring because of that. What was your guys' team team concept, and what ta- what armies did you end up taking to the uh, to the event, Josh? Yeah, so uh, a quick rundown of what we what we were doing it was Team Battle Brothers. Um, <clears throat> I was running Crusher Stampede Tyranids, but a very uh, a little bit of a weirder mix. It's not your normal Crusher Stampede, um, but I think it played way better into the team event. Um, basically, anything that wasn't the mirror. So. I just my job was to go out and smash games that weren't my mirror, um, and then we also had we had Austin Wingfield, uh, who's playing Necrons. He's kind of just our point scorer. Um, he he'll he'll take hard matchups and just rack up points because he's just all obsec is brutal. Um, 
And then we had uh, Davis, uh, Davis Fry. He was playing Tau, kind of like a hammer style of just like throw him into a throw him into a matchup on that table that just has no terrain on it and just smack whoever um, whoever's coming at him. Because if you step into the middle of the table, you're just kind of dead. Yeah. Um, then we had Mike DeAngelis playing um, playing Eldar Craft Worlds, um, who is another just really good point scoring army. And finally, we had Pat McEnany, um, who was playing White Scars, new and improved Marines. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, and he classic was he's, he's like I say, the, it's classic Pat. <laughs> it's, it's classic Pat. Like he's just playing Space Marines, and we literally would just throw him into matchups, and we'll be like, eh, he'll be fine. Whatever. <laughs> like Pat will figure out a way. He's like, yo, dog, I'll figure this out. <laughs> Exactly. Brad, what, like was y'all's, uh, what was y'all's concept going in? We, we, we went with Minecraft World. We had Alan playing Crusher, uh, which Alan just decided to go first uh, five times and scored <laughs> a 500. So uh, he scored all of the points. <laughs> and then we had Tom bringing uh, just beater, hardcore beat stick towel, almost no defense, literally all offense. Um, then we brought TJ with Thousand Sons, and we had Elliot with the the Brad got vetoed because we took last minute because of the terrain was a little more open. We had some pretty big firing lines. We took an Iron Hands list with an Astraeth super heavy tank. What? I, I again, yes. I I was vehemently against this, and uh, he was not super excited about the list by the end of the the tournament. It puts out damage, but it, it's just too hard to score secondary. So people can play into you with that. So I mean, he picked up. Like he did some serious damage over the course of the tournament, but if you can't, anybody's on objectives and stuff like that, they just score more points. They just he he always killed a lot of stuff, and then you go to the scorecard. It was just hard for him to score his own secondaries and stuff like that. If the people playing against him were were doing a good job against it, which we had a lot of, there was a lot of good teams on there. It's funny because that's like such a common thing in ninth like you're like oh man this is gonna be so awesome and then you actually put it on the table you're like it doesn't score any of the secondaries like i said this so much the funniest thing is is snings shout out to jason the guy that i play with every weekend if i'm not in the <laughs> tournament uh he's got one he wanted to play it he's he did that i'm like we we already went through this about a year ago with him trying to figure out any way to make this big take work and all that happened was, is every single test game, he would kill 90% of my army, and then I would win by 30. Yeah. So, <laughs> he would definitely look like he killed, he was winning the game, but I just scored points. And it's just mm-hmm. hard, especially when you don't have a good uh, third secondary at that point in time, because you're just bringing too much beats. So there's a world where that might work, you know what I mean? But uh, typically, you can just hide around stuff on that. I mean, it's big, it's hard enough to just take. Uh, anything big, tell you the truth. Just non-breachable stuff has to hit hard or have movement buffs and things of that nature, or just be a new Maliceptor and just murder everything around it in 12 inches. But we, we'll get to that in part two. What's funny is oh, yeah. um, you talk about like what yeah. separates like the current S-tier from like B or A-tier armies, and it's almost always that third secondary, man. Like Being able to take a good, solid, like every game, Secondary number three is just like so critical. It's it's so big on that, and it, there's so many right now in ninth edition with the new mat, the Knockman packet for GT packet. There's so many also just actions that go on during the game. Yeah, you know I mean that you know all of a sudden if you don't have the ability to perform those actions, all of a sudden you're like, hey, I was going to take 
R&D or I was going to take this. And then you're like, oh, but I also have to do the mission secondary. So you're like, who's doing all these actions? I won several games over the course of the weekend just by killing whatever my opponent had that could perform secondaries, basically. Uh, and just won because of that, even though you know I was losing a ton of guys, but I was just I was ninja striking everything my opponent had to perform those secondaries. So it just became very difficult for people to score. Yeah, for sure. And that's where that's what I think differentiates my crusher list from everybody else's. I took one that literally <clears throat> there's a lot more infantry in it and a lot more ability to score, a lot more ability to like sling across the table, steal objectives, like on like a smaller basis. Because you can screen out big bugs all day, but it's a lot harder to screen out smaller units that can go in, pick up a, a screen, overrun away, then go back in the next turn. Yeah, screw your revenues. Josh, that was that was literally the perfect segue for me to be like, hey Josh, why don't you tell us about your list? Dude, what can I say? I'm too good. Um <laughs> so uh yeah, so let's uh let's jump into this list. I um basically again it was it was that concept of I wanna score points. I wanna be a crusher list that still it still has punch, but um, you know, I can still pull out and grind it, um, like grind it out when I need to. Um, so the list is two patrols. Um, basically, I'm running triple triple hive tyrant. We got swarm lord and two flyrants. One of which has the ignore. He's all buffed up to have a million attacks. Ignore invulns, um, bone swords, and then the other flyrant is more of a support flyrant. He's got um, the void crown, which is amazing when we get a little bit later in the list because nine pluses to cast auto pass. Um, so anytime I take a psychic secondary, even if you have denies, a lot of the time I'm just going to be auto casting. Um, undeniably casting on that. Un- so. unden- undeniably, yes. Yeah. Keyword. Then I have a four-man unit of, of Tyranid Warriors and a three-man unit of Tyranid Warriors just because of points. And each one of them have a set of Siding Talons and a Lash Whip and Bone Sword. Then I have a unit of five Zone Thropes with the Synapic Link. Which their job is to spit mortal wounds and give that flyrant the three d six cast because um, three d six dropping the highest like you will roll nines a lot on that and then I got two units of five raveners with despot um, despoters rending claws siding talons um, twenty points apiece I think they're just invaluable they're fast they can do actions and luckily enough they're amazing into Brad's army and kind of just <laughs> kept me they kept me in the game single handedly that was kind of kind of their job. Then we also have two barbed hero duels, which are the more expensive, a little bit more tanky and shootier hero duels, and an extra crit. And that was pretty much the list. So you didn't go with the size, because I think we see a lot of size in the previous version of this, but the barb is pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so much more annoying versus my army, because it's one, it's got a two up instead of a three up. Yep. And it's a little bit slower, but he doesn't care, because I'm already kind of just in the way. So the the shots actually were kind of big throughout the game. Yeah, it shoots pretty hard too, right? Is it a damage three gun? It's damage three. I use oh, that wow. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get we'll, we'll we'll jump into that. Brad, tell us tell us about your list. What he played against? I bring all of the trash. Yeah, so I have a Brad list. Who has to say it's the Noah's Ark? I brought like two of everything. Okay. I have Eldrad, Farseer on bike. I took a three man bike conclave War of Warlocks because of the no indirect and we're. Not no indirect, but very little indirect anymore. So they're a little cheaper, and I get two psychics out of them. And it's also not characters. So then I brought Karandras and Baharoth, two units of uh, two units of warp spiders, two units of howling banshees upgraded. So 
did two damage on one. Basically, I just want the 10 attacks and the mirror swords. And then I took three units of Dire Avengers who were like MVPs throughout the entire weekend. A uh, unit of Fire Dragons, uh, two Falcons. I'm forgetting stuff in my own list as I'm not, I, I thought swooping I could hawks. do this. Two units of Swooping Hawks <clears throat> and just all of the just all of the nonsense. So you can just strike these scorpions with crushing blow and biting blades. So I have seven attacks that auto wound. Uh, if they hit, they auto wound. So I just had a lot of stuff basically around the table and just really abusing uh, doom and jinx mostly. But the biggest thing was is my army is specifically supposed to just be everywhere. Uh, no matter if I'm getting my head kicked in or not, I'm just trying to score points, score points, score points. And I've got enough throwaway crap where I can just get in the way. Uh, and steal objectives and stuff like that. So, Josh, uh, Brad's told us his list, but uh, what is your MVP on the weekend, and what's on chopping block? You literally are starting the episode with this? <laughs> I, uh, 21 oh, minutes. I want to say that's a new record for the show. So, Josh, I want you to feel special in that regard. Oh, yeah. Um, dude, I got to say, I think I'm going to cheat a little bit and give two MVPs. Um, firstly, um, the Raveners. I think like literally just 20 points for what they do is... Uh, amazing. They sure up a lot of weaknesses that crusher lists have. Again, with secondaries, doing actions, um, being able to kill little things without having to throw a 200-something-odd point bug at it. Um, and not to mention, you have this Leviathan strat to just 1CP make a mob sec. They can fly 24, sometimes even 36 inches across the table and steal an objective um, if there's no obsec on it. Um, so Raveners were amazing, but also the Ignore Volm Flyrant is he was bonkers over the weekend he had he's going in with a billion attacks that are you know basically you're gonna hit most of them reroll the wound for one cp um overrun away like into custodies he's amazing into even even into brad he was really good because all of his stuff has a six up five up in home and a pretty decent save and he just kind of cleaves through um yeah. so i think i was annoying i had to dedicate so great. much firepower yeah which i still don't know if it was the right play but man i i literally zoomed over there to kill him and I had to overcommit. So I basically yep. took a turn off of anything else just to kill that guy. So it was irritating as hell. Yeah. Yes, sir. What would you say is on the chopping block, Josh? Um, if I was to play the list again, I don't know if I'd keep um, the zone throps. I think in theory, they're good. I might drop them to like, if I was, if I was to play the list again, if it was to exist, um, maybe drop them to a couple people. Cause I still, a couple, couple models, like a three-man, just because I need that 3D6 cast um, to shore up those secondaries. But also, um, <clears throat> you know, at the end of the day, they they were my two the last, and they, like, never died. Yeah, so basically, every game, I'd lose pretty much just one barbed hero duel. I lost twice. I lost two against Brad, funnily enough, because I had to, like, screen with them. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> but, like, zone throws, they just, a three-up involved you can put catalysts on them if you need. They just don't die. Yeah. Um, and again, they're infantry, so they can do actions for you if you need. Well, tell us a little bit this game. So what was the mission that you guys played on, and what were the secondaries y'all took? Oh, shoot. I don't even know the, the name of the mission we were playing. Um, we Brad, 32. And while you're Death at it, kind of tell me both of y'all's <clears throat> mindsets. I don't know who chose who on the matchup, but... Kind of tell me why this matchup even existed. Uh, in the he called me out. That's why. I wanted Brad just because he's Brad. <laughs> <laughs> we had a fun time, too. So. We did. It was a fun time. The last, for, for reference, the last time I played Brad in a tournament, I had 16 Hiveguard, and he was playing Drukari. I said, still carry the day. <laughs> 99% of the time, his army is gone turn two. 
Brad proceeds to take all of the luck he lacks in every game ever and infuse it into this one game to not fail any five up in bolts. It was ever. ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was it is the only game I will ever blame on dice. He, to be honest. The funny thing was is we we're sitting here and I go, I just rolled it out, I guess. So, you know, <laughs> I have to go first. And I go get my I go get my wine. I'm like, go ahead and roll your dice. And he rolls meh, and I just make only five ups. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, wanted some revenge. It'll have to come at a different time as we uh, as we talk about this game, but um, it was a good go. It was a really fun game. Josh, I'm putting you in the intro now. It's gonna be uh, we all blame our blame blame bad dice, and you're gonna be the you're gonna be the example <laughs> on my next, uh, my next episode. So don't be this guy. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yes, yeah, so we were playing Death and Zeal, uh, which is basically, it's five objectives, one in the center, one in each table quarter, and it's it's one of the table quarter ones. Um, and basically with the, the deployment and the terrain we were on, we had we each had one like line of sight blocking L in our deployment zone, and then there were two in the, um, two in the midfield in like no man's land, and a couple other ruins here and there scattered about the outside, a little bit of dense, um, and yeah, that was pretty much it. I get to pick the board in this because I came yes. out as a defender. So this is the board that I chose to play on. Uh, I think four games in a row. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Um, so looking at the at the scoring for secondaries, I ended up taking to the last because that's just what my list does. Um, engage and mental interrogation. Because again, that's like that's just what my list is designed to do. And Brad, I'm pretty sure you had to the last. Um, Retrieve Knockman data and Stranglehold. Yep. Which, in retrospect, I have no clue why I didn't take Bring It Down. Uh, <laughs> I was worried that you were going to play a little too cagey on this mission, and the Raveners actually, the Raveners were actually the, the thing that scared me the most, and they as they should have throughout the game, because they caused me a lot of problems. Because the big bugs are easy for me to block out, but the Raveners aren't. With the double move, they can just be anywhere, and that ended up being the case. Uh, throughout the game not even their killing power just their ability to steal my objectives was just irritating yep. and the fact that um i mean really the the scary thing for you is that if i decide to go all in and buff the raveners they can be hitting on twos re-rolling ones with their scything talons and then sixes to hit explodes they're going to have over 100 percent hit rate they can go in double fight overrun steal objectives like they can kill a lot of Brad's stuff that just is not that durable. Like if he just puts them all in a clump, I can go, okay, that whole clump's dead. Just pouring my CP into it. And then there goes his resources. So how did y'all deploy with that in mind? What was y'all's kind of thought going into the game and how did you set your board up? So I set up my deployment basically as, um, so Brad has his Falcons, which can deep strike and deliver their payload turn one. Um, so I deployed very defensively, literally just keeping my Raveners safe. Um, that was the big thing. I knew going in that they were going to be MVPs in this matchup and scare that kept them safe. They were pretty much in the back outside of reach of um, outside of reach of any of his shooting or his charges. If he comes out of deep strike um, and the things that he could not really deal with, as he was talking about, were the barbed hero duels. Um, so basically I had a big clump of stuff in my ruin um, of just all my support characters, my flyers, my zone throws, warriors, all that sort of stuff. Um, on my far left, I have a Bartira duel zoning out basically the opening of that side of the ruin. And on my far right, I have another unit or uh, another Bartira duel zoning out that side. So if Brad wants to come in with his stuff that's in reserve, he can hit a three up in one zone throw unit or one of the two Bartira duels. I unfortunately went first and did absolutely F all. <laughs> I, I, nothing. 
did some wounds to a barbed arrow duel, bounced away and hid. And I put a significant amount of stuff in reserve uh, because I was very afraid that the that Josh would just go all in. And if I put too much stuff on the board, he would just go all in and touch too much of my my army. And I couldn't I couldn't do that. So I had to zone out. I had to lead with some trash. So that that was my mentality of I need him to at least do something. And then you did almost nothing, which drove me nuts. <laughs> so what did you drop in turn one to do the damage to the barbed wire? Nothing. I just, I literally doomed, I doomed and jinxed the barbed hair duel and I shot a bunch of trash shots at it and he failed four or five total saves and then I just ran away. Now, what was in reserve for you? You had the Falcons with some uh, Banshees in Falcons them? with Banshees and Karandras, but I also had the, the uh, War Spiders in reserve. I had, what else did I have in reserve? I had two Dire Avengers in reserve. I had a lot of stuff in reserve. I had like a thousand points in reserve. How did the Dire Avengers come on? Did they walk on? Just walk on. They're looking to do R&D. Because they can shoot. They have the special ability that they can shoot and do secondaries. Just built in. Oh, so really they good. can come on, take 18 shots, try to do rods, and hope for no six because I brought five man units because I'm apparently <laughs> risky. I was looking to... I'm like, well, I have enough trash where I can take... I can take a strangle. I can take... Um, I can get my retrieve, and I'm going to try to stay away with my my to the last. So I'm just trying to score more. I mean, the first thing for me is always just score point and win first, try to extend it out second. You know what I mean? So I, I want to make it cautious because also in this game, uh, in this mission uh, for both of our teams, uh, the pairings were in such a way that we weren't real. Neither team, I think, really knew how things were going to go. There was a lot of, there was a There's couple. A lot of, of coin flips. Yeah, there was exactly. Yeah, there, it could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, we had um, just to, uh, in light of the pairings, we can talk about. We had Marines on Marines, which Pat ended up pulling out because he did exactly what we talked about. The problem with that list is it's just you kill the infantry and you add squirrel. That was pretty much it. And Pat's Pat's really good at doing that. So that was there. Um, but then we had Mike and his craft world going into who did he play on your team? Oh, he played TJ. We, yeah. we kind of knew that that was going to be a tough matchup for him, but none of the rest of us really wanted to play against that. Um, so he kind of took the hit on that one. Um, but then we flash over to the other two tables on our other side, and <clears throat> we had our Tau versus your Crusher, which is literally just a coin flip. Who goes first gets right. to pretty much dictate that game. And then Ogden and Austin, they both are very... They're pretty aggressive players, and they both also deployed in a way they, they deployed on the line and basically said, whoever goes first is going to win this game. Um, that's, that's pretty much how they played. Yeah. Brad's team went first <laughs> and Brad's team went first in both cases. Oh, yeah. all right. That's uh that's a bummer. Bummer. Cause I don't want Brad to have any wins in his, in his well, intro. <laughs> we had actually both set up in such a very cautious way because of the fact that we were kind of waiting to see how some of the other games went. Yep. So it's not like we were slow playing each other, but we were trying to not give away anything. So we're if they could keep the score tight either way, because then in the end, this tournament's not on wins losses, it's on battle points. So you know, if you're not winning extended battle points out, it's effectively just a draw at that point in time, which we basically had. So, <clears throat> so exactly. what did uh, so with that in mind, Brad kind of nickel and dimed you there. How did you respond to that, to Josh? Yeah, so I don't have I don't have an, as many like units to actually commit to him. So I had to find ways with the old midbook, having just as many tricks as it does, to 
basically trade up with any unit that I throw out. Um, so an example of this is, I think, um, in turn two, I the, the ignore inborn flyerin went out, and um, Brett had he basically had swooping hawks on one flank, and then he had um, oh Brad, you know what? We gave them the wrong mission. We were not playing thirty two. We were playing the uh, uh, what, which one? We played thirty. Did we play thirty three? Uh, we played thirteen. Data Scry. Oh, never mind. We played Data Scry. We were completely lying. My bad. We were completely lying. Um, <laughs> I, in my mind, I was thinking that because I was like, man, those objectives weren't bad. It was a hive, <laughs> no. was a hive mind, man. He, he tricked you. He got it you was. thinking in his uh, in his brain. No, uh, that's a big move on yours with the overrun because he, uh, I got put in a hard spot uh, because I was thinking I'm just going to nickel and dime points out and then go ahead and tell your move just because this you did two things in a row yes. which put me in, which made me play way more aggressive than I wanted to. Yeah, so I, I mean, looking at the at the points, I would go pretty much even on secondaries with him, more or less. I, could, I knew I could deny some of his and gain stuff that he was not accounting for in my score. Um, so I needed to win the primary. That was my goal. Um, anytime I could give him a zero, I would. This one of these turns with the with the flyerin, um, it's a hold two mission. Brad's got units on his home objective and the two on my right flank, his left. I fly the flyerin out hit those swooping hawks that are on the closer one to my deployment zone. So he gets the charge off, dumpsters those guys, because, again, they don't get in bones, um, dumpsters them, and then jumps over with overrun to the other objective because he counts as 12 models on an objective for having 12 wounds. He jumped over to the other objective and stole it away from his striking scorpions that were there. So I essentially went from giving him an 8 on primary, if I didn't do anything, to a 0, because oh, wow. I, I killed him off of the yeah. one, and then... Um, Took the other one with the flyer, which is a big deal because then it forced me into uh, trash charges. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so I had to. I was like, well, I'm not going to give him a zero this turn because he can spend the CP to make the barbed arrow. he hit him. He literally went very, very cautious and put a barbed yep. behind, completely behind a piece of solid terrain. Yep. So I couldn't get very good shots on him. I could nickel and diamond with a couple things that could barely see it. Um, but I had to make or some charges. You could deep strike charge him, and that's yeah. what I was trying to bait out. Exactly. Once you, once you commit from deep strike, I can then commit. Um, all of my shooting kills your fire prison, or not fire prison, the Falcons. Yeah, um, so and then Ravener's go and clean up whatever's inside. You have nothing. So my turn two, I brought a Falcon down and split charged. I sent Banshees one way and Karadras a different way, like in the far, far right deep corner to pick up three warriors. And so I made it so I could auto charge. The other one, I just, I think I had to, I had sixes for each one. So I had to roll three on one. But, um, yeah. and then I put some more people and stole the objectives again. So I had the people on top. I, and I committed effectively everything that wasn't doing that charge was committed to killing that, that stupid <laughs> hive tyrant that just doesn't give me a save. So yeah. all of my sixes to save meant absolutely nothing. You're like, so you're hitting on twos, wounding on twos. And I get Ooh. no save? Cool. Cool, 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 cool. That's not a problem at all. That, mm -hmm. that won't come back to haunt me if I let that guy live. <laughs> so I commit just, I overcommit to that side because I had some fire dragons just waiting for that to happen. Um, and I had some spiders came in and basically just overshot him down because I couldn't take that, that even the chance uh, that he would roll. So I kill the warriors. I put Obsec uh, from Will of Azurian on my Banshees. Uh, knowing that he's able to make use the stratagem, but I was hoping to do some chip damage. To and you needed to at least get strangled. That's right. 
Exactly. So I basically stole the objective, got strangled, and then stood there, which means I was going to insta-die. And Karadros was kind of hiding, which made it difficult to get in at first. But he still, and it also kept him on his side. So I, I didn't want him extending up because I need to basically reset now for my turn. So we go into your turn. <clears throat> so, so in my turn, basically, I responded with, he's still got another... Falcon and Reserve. So I'm very wary of that. Keeping the, the barbed hero duels um, are still out. The Flyrant just barely, barely died, even though Brad fully committed to him. Um, but again, that means that like 80% of your army is in that far half of the table, the back half. So I can just erase, um, I can just erase the stuff that's in front of me and then deal with that later, basically. That's, that's what we had set up to do. Now, this is where things kind of come off the rails for me, and I get, um, I mean, in all honesty, I just got discouraged um, seeing between a bad turn of dice and um, it was a bad turn of dice and seeing other games wrap up that did not go our way. Um, so essentially, I go in, um, I commit my Flyrant, the Raveners, um, Zone Throat, um, Psychic and stuff, the Barbed Hero shooting. I basically clear... I clear Karandross, I clear the Banshees that are there, but I don't kill his Falcon. Um, I don't kill the Falcon or anything that's left, um, like that, that's left over that was shooting at the Flyrant, which I was, I was planning on at least taking a few units off. I didn't kill almost any of them. Um, and that was just like, you know, a little bit cold, but at, at least on the points, I was still keeping it close. That's, that was pretty much the only thing I had going for me in that turn. But I think that that was the difference in the game, though, because from the the next two turns, Josh sends out Raveners and steals the objectives because I got two zeros throughout the game. Yep. But that next turn, I got kind of a free eight. Yes. Um, and then you overcommitted a little bit. I would have just left my Falcon alone, to be honest, mm. and just zoomed over because I don't know if I could have came back from this. If you would have gave me another zero, I don't even think I have a play yes. at that point in time. I think, well, that's the thing. So turn three, you get an eight, which again, I could have just sent out Raveners with OPSEC, giving you a zero. What I was afraid of was losing the Raveners and committing them too soon and not getting enough value in return. Um, so it's kind of like the mix of like, you know, having almost like a compromised mindset of just like looking at the rest of the round and feeling like, eh, it doesn't really matter anymore. And the, um, like that fear of, of not doing enough with them. Like when they're supposed to be my MVPs in this matchup. But yeah, like looking back, if I committed them, if I committed to one more turn of an eight, I don't think you come back. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so, and then the so rest we're of the, to, we're trying to mess with the Bradning here, but we're, we're all right. We got we got Tyrannus to talk about. We got a lot of Tyrannus oh, yeah. to talk about. We're we're doing a little bit of Bradning now. We're gonna do some a little bit of Bradning no, that, now. That was a little bit of Bradning. We, we talked about it right after because I had to. I literally, well, I actually uh, did my my own because I messed up the score because I forgot. Uh, at one point, Josh Jasson used the strat to take an objective. So I actually have my score written down incorrectly. So I have four points off what I thought it was. Because um, we had scored it, then went, oh, wait, why? of course I'm going to use the strat. And I never bothered to, because I'm too lazy, apparently, to change that in my own. So we go into the last, we, into the end of the turn, and I have to pull some crazy bray i had to do some long distance charges i had to do some some very good charges you know when five spiders charge the swarm lord you know you always want that to, to happen so i had to pin him into his i had to literally had to give him a zero on his turn five for me to to win the game and i was able to just grab stuff and move block him at the end of the game 
but I don't think it, again, I don't think it matters at that point in time uh, if he comes out just a turn earlier. And I think that that was one of those things, though, of in games, we talk about it all the time in your mindset, uh, was that as he started his turn three, turn three, whatever, one of in the middle, there, whatever the turn, the, turn was, yeah. the turn was that you didn't send the Ravagers out, was the time when we found out that my team basically just got two 100s against his team. And he was just like, ah, it doesn't matter. And kind of just, didn't play bad, but just didn't do, you know, didn't like take that time to look at how am I going to seal this game off? Because he was always slightly either winning or, or it was tied. You know what I mean? I could have just kind of put the nail in or what I would have had to make some ridiculously aggressive play on turn four mm-hmm. while I got to do it on turn five where I just didn't care if I lost a bunch of my army at that point. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a big difference of, you committing turn four versus turn five because he if i had an extra turn at the end of the game to score i'd come back and score um, oh yeah i don't have anything left 70 80 you have nothing left. you'll like this you'll like this one blake my my last charges were the charges of all the idiots in the universe <laughs> five spiders went into the swarm lord the three-man warlock conclave a farseer five hawks and like i don't know the remnants of a dire venture or something charged his uh hive diet and oh, then just move blocked everything yeah like yeah. literally i just put doom and jinx on and just went for it i'm like if i roll enough dice i can kill the he was already wounded of course but he and i'm like if i roll enough dice i'll just you know and then i cast will and the warlocks because i'm just like i'll have them back there's nothing that's really going to pull them off and i'm blocking out but like that was the the Is sheer amount of trash Yes, it, it is say, those casters kind of thump. They're not awful. Well, they're, they're still minus one damage, but they do wound on deuces. So I just made them roll a lot of dice. I mean, there's still something to be said for Doom and Jinx. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he's taking four up saves, and I'm wounding on twos. You know what I mean? So I just did a a ton of trash, and he only died by a wound, also, which yeah, wow. like buzzer beater, like yeah. And and mind you, too, if he stays alive. Oh, I lose. If that if that front stays alive, he you lose. And there was also was it the barbed? Was that the turn you finally killed the barbed? If he lived too, it literally like there was like three or four combats that if they went my way, you also couldn't do anything. Like it was that was like an awesome Chester like pull from behind. Yeah, I pulled. Um, I killed like two three wound characters. Like not characters, a three wound barbed and a three wound hive turn. I had to kill, and I killed them both in the same round. And then I just move blocked everything else. Uh, and then just kind of grab the swarm lord. I, I was also lucky on that fact is that I had two sixes to save, so I went lightning fast reflexes and went. I have enough CP to auto pass this if I need to, and I have two saves, so I basically just needed to kill to hold the swarm lord because if the swarm lord could double move, he also wins the game because he goes and steals another objective. If you can, uh, I feel like you kill in the hive tyrant with the farseers like the Steph Curry from the uh, to win the game from the corner. No, Steph is <laughs> the three from the corner. Crowd goes wild. This is what we need. Oh, it was. That was the yeah. thing. That was the thing. And so I talk about because there's big moments in the game where if he would have came on a moment, we would just do the branding now because we're going to talk about it. But like if he goes and scores those eight points, I had to do all of that and give him literally give him a zero on that turn. And if he doesn't die, he do, even just his bad attacks kill me. You know what I mean? Like it kills or it kills enough because all he had to do was kill warlocks and he had an exocrine just still sitting there that just picked up the yeah. hawks. So there was just, if I don't kill that, I, I can't stand there. You know what I mean? I don't take it. So it, it went down to me making some some good plays. I made a, a and I had set everybody up. I literally had so many people at, on the wall waiting for that last turn if I had to do this. So planning ahead. 
but it was it was one of those things where and I love these kind of games. That's why I love doing Unbroken. Is we looked at it now we were talking like what we could have each of us could have done back and forth. And I was like, you drove me literally crazy when you just oh you didn't do anything. Cool. I'm not doing anything either. And here's a zero. And I just went oh well that sucks. And he did it <laughs> twice uh, where he just did nothing and made me come over, which I didn't want to do because I kept losing stuff. And I go, and we were talking back and forth and I go, I'm pretty sure if you just move here on turn three or uh, I, I literally don't have an out I, because at that point in time, I just have another zero because I won the game by two points, four points. Oh, wow. so. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, you, you winning by two points stopped me from winning by like 10. That was, that was the big thing. Cause like, if I get any primary at all, it's an eight. Yeah, he's got, yeah he's, he's got the last, he's got the end of the turn. That's why I had to pin him in. That's why I made all those super risky maneuvers. But the thing is, it's like both of us were, I, I, I really, it was a very hard game. Like it was crazy tough on that. And I learned a bunch of stuff from that too. And I feel that we had the, the I love playing those type of games because win or lose, you come away from the game and figure out what you should have, could have kind of thing. And I love that. And maybe it was like, like, and I, I said that too, we went over the points. I go, if you just block that out on turn three, do I, do I need to do anything effectively? I think, you know what I mean? Or like, no, not really. Cause then you got to, you wouldn't have had to extend at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. To do anything. So you could have walled off and just let me not do anything. And then I just kind of auto lose by five plus. Another thing to note real quick, Blake, if you don't mind. Um, I think, I think this game, um, anybody who plays Chester knows that um, not only like, is he very good on the tabletop, but he's also like an amazing sport. Like the whole game we're like back and forth. Like, this is something that I love to preach. Um, like when you're at a top table like this, like it's a high stress environment. And, but at the same time, you don't want to win by just like a gotcha. Like, oh, you like, you know, you made like, you moved too far, like when you were trying to stay out of range of this or something like that. And like back and forth, Brad and I were just like, oh, like I'm outside of deny range. And I'm like, you know, doing this and that. And like the whole time we're like cooperating. <laughs> Even though you know we're we're having a you know, an absolute fiasco on a on the tabletop, like it was it, like even in those super super tight games, like you can always keep it um, like super like just stay level headed, stay like um, positive, and just like remember like it's a fun time. Like we're playing a game that we all love, um, and like you know at the end of the day, I want to walk away from the table um, with whoever is across from me as as a as a buddy that I can say hi to the next tournament. You know, um, I think that's a you know that's a mindset that a lot of um, like the top players have like Brad and like all the guard of war guys, they're all awesome. Um, so I, I just wanted to throw that in. I think that's a, a good thing to mention. Appreciate that brother. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's all, that's what we're all about here, man. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate you taking the time to be here and I'm uh, looking forward to part two with you. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Make sure to check out our other shows um, at theartofwar40k.com. We have The Art of War Vanilla, now with Mr. Nick Donavati and Paul Murphy. We have The Art of War Very Australian Down Under with the late and very great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are The Art of War Pistachio, the flavor you didn't know you loved till you tried us. Thanks for listening. Check out Part Deuce. Mm, pistachios. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. <laughs>